0: The Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 15. If you wish to follow in the church Bibles, this can be found on page 15 and on page 20 of the large print Bibles. So That's Genesis, chapter 15, God's covenant with Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children. So a servant in my, in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, Kadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. We now move on to the New Testament reading, which is from Hebrews 11, um, verses 1 and 2, and then on to verses 8 and 12. And if you want to follow in the church Bibles, it's on page 1209, and page 1908 of the large print Bibles. So that's Hebrews 11, starting to to read at verse 1, faith in action. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children, because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise." And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, love. So that's breakfast in bed on me for the next week, is it? very well read and thanks for your prayers too Les. So let me just pray for us as we look at God's word together. Lord would you just open the ears of our hearts to receive the many blessings that you have in your wonderful text in Jesus name. Amen. Could we have Lord please verse six? That would be great. Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned to him as righteousness. There may be no other text in the Old Testament that means more to us, followers of the new. God promised Abraham and Sarah that despite their childless age, they'd have millions of descendants. And even though this was beyond belief, Abraham believed God. And that was enough to make him righteous in God's eyes. You see, Abraham didn't have to fight any battles, didn't have to love any neighbors, follow any commandments, or even give up anything for Lent. All Abraham had to do was to believe and trust in God. And that's what he did. So that's what put him right with God. And ever since, from St. Paul to Augustine, from Augustine to Martin Luther, from Martin Luther to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and so on, For Muslims, for Jews, and for Christians, Abraham has served as the gold standard of faith. A direct descendant of Noah, he got, as we heard read, a whole chapter in Genesis devoted to his act of faith. And although he had no earthly evidence that the promise would ever come true, he let go of his worries and anxieties and just put his trust. Completely in God for us New Testament believers his act of complete and unconditional trust is remarkable because Abraham didn't lift a finger to be saved all he did was to believe God's promise and that was enough his faith alone saved him Rewards followed because Abraham believed. Abraham believed God would give him descendants. God did. Abraham believed they would inherit a land flowing with milk and honey. And they did. Question to ask ourselves, would God have honored those promises if Abraham hadn't believed? We shall never know. But all we do know from there on through the Old to the New Testament is that those with faith the size of a mustard seed will be able to move mountains. The doors they knock on will be opened. They will be given what they ask for. And that has to be great news. If. If you're one of them. The problem is It's so easy to become preoccupied with worrying about not having enough faith or the right kind of faith. Ask the worriers how they know and they'll tell you they just can't believe everything they're supposed to. They have a hard time believing in miracles or they're not even remotely convinced that God loves them the way they are. They try hard to do what is right, lead a good life, But that just isn't moving many mountains for them. If they just had more faith, then maybe the stuff that keeps them awake at night, the worries and the self-doubts would disappear. If they just believed a little bit more, if they just had a bit more faith, then they could be calm and confident as Abraham, resting on the promises of God. The great thing about Abraham Is He wasn't anything like this at all. He knew who God was because God had visited him twice before and a lot of stuff had happened to him and Sarah. They'd been to Egypt and backed. He'd won a lot of battles. He'd become wealthy, but still no son, no descendants, no land. This time, Genesis 15, the word of God came to Abraham in a vision to repromises those promises. He hears God rather than sees him, and he's afraid. So the first thing God says to him is, don't be afraid. God can be scary, even for men of faith such as Abraham. But you see, Abraham can't have been all that afraid because he trots out his prayer request list pretty quickly. Could we have a look at verse 2, Norman? Oh, Lord, he says, what will you give me? That's got to be so embarrassing. I mean, you wonder why it got written down. Is that what you'd say if you heard God in a vision? On the face of it, it's totally lacking in tact, let alone reverence. I mean, how many of us follow the acts nom- mnemonic when we're praying? You know, a for adoration, C for confession, T for thanksgiving, and then only finally, S for supplication, interceding for the needs of others and our own needs you don't just say God what will you give me do you maybe you do I don't know I don't think you do and then top of it all you don't follow it up with a direct complaint like Abraham did have a look at verse three you've given me no offspring and so a slave born in my house is to be is to be my heir it's a bit like Victor Meldrum isn't it but that is what Abraham said and God didn't strike him dead. Instead, God reassured him no slave would be his heir, only a child from his own body. Then God took him outside, out of, out of the tent into the cool night air, so he could see the starlit sky as it should be. It was a cloudy, cloudless night, inky black, twinkling with a myriad of stars, swirls of light. And God says in verse five, Count them if you can. But how could Abraham do that? They just went on and on. And every time he started out and tried to count them, a brand new star would appear. And he'd have to start all over again. So shall your descendants be, God said. So then, in verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and the lord reckoned it to him as righteousness i'd like to suggest to you that's probably one of the most profound verses in scripture i think it's a totally pivotable moment in our history i mean we get all kinds of detail in the story it tells us in verse two that up to this point abraham had just one single heir eliezer of damascus his chief servant and heir Following the custom of the time, he'd been adopted by the childless couple Sarah and Abraham. And he was due to inherit when Abraham died. But at this crucial moment in history, when three major religions are birthed, at a point in which we can trace our very origins, all we get is a brief statement of fact Abraham believed the Lord. And the question I want to ask is, if Abraham is our gold standard of faith, then surely we need to know more, get some answers to our FAQs. I mean, what was Abraham's tipping point? Was it intuitive? Or was it rational? Did it require a massive effort of the intellect on Abraham's part? Did it require a massive effort of the will? Or was it just as easy as falling off a log? How did How did Abraham come to faith in God? Perhaps before we even get to ask these questions, we need to decide just what we mean by faith. How do you define it? I mean, does faith mean surrendering to God's will? Does it mean playing an active part in God's future? Does it mean accepting what's being preached here every Sunday? What does it mean wrestling every day with scary angels? Do we take a leap of faith, let go completely of all our anxieties, our private anguishes and our reservations, or is it more of a lurch instead? What actually happens inside a person, inside us, to allow us to believe, to have faith and to trust in God completely? Not long after we first came to Guildford uh, and we started our family business we had the joy of a big customer who refused to pay his bills. Fortunately by then I was a member of this church and a very wise retired businessman Roy Wallace helped me negotiate a settlement but my confidence in human nature was badly knocked. My ability to trust seemed to stay dependent on someone or something outside of me that was beyond my control. It was as if my trust wasn't mine to give. It seemed to rely on someone or something else, so I never really felt in charge of it at all. Then one day, I heard a preacher, famous preacher, and it turned my logic inside out. The the preacher talked about trust, not being dependent on anyone or anything outside myself. It just depended on me, how I weighed the risks and then the decisions I took. Trust, the preacher explained, was me me deciding if I could handle it when I got. And these are the preacher's words: "Well and truly screwed." I I think that sermon was right because trust is, is never entirely logical. Faith never really makes perfect sense. It's more like a gift that we both receive and are then able to give. It's more like a really a sort of a bold act of courage for people who can't control the outcome of their decisions but decide to trust anyway. People who act as if the universe is trustworthy and reckon they can still handle it even if they are wrong. And today's passage shows us that things don't suddenly improve the moment you believe in God. Abraham was fearful and cranky before he believed in God and he was fearful and cranky after he believed in God. Yet yeah, he had a nice moment in verse 5 when he was stargazing but then have a look at verse 7. God promised him land, and straight away Abraham is his cranky old self. I didn't know that. How am I to know that, he says. But God didn't say, hey, hey, I thought you believed in me. No. Have a look at verse 9. God just put Abraham to work. Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. When Abraham had collected them all, he cut everything in two except the birds, and he then laid the halves against each other. You see, God didn't tell him to do that part, the cutting in two and the laying of halves. Abraham already knew that that, in those days, was how you sealed a covenant. It was an ancient equivalent of sealing a promise. And you also shared names, which is why Abram, meaning high father, became Abraham father of a multitude but that took another 13 years notice that he just got an H added to his name, think of Yahweh, God gave him an H from Yahweh and gave it to Abraham I think that's amazing and once he laid the carcasses out the thing was you would always walk between them to seal the bargain and to say may the same thing happen to me if I fail to keep my word by now it was dark Before he could walk between them, Abraham saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between them instead. Only there was nobody holding them. Smoke and fire, God's favorite Old Testament calling cards. Perhaps even the pre-incarnate Christ standing in for Abraham in the covenant procession. Check out Revelations 1, 14 to 15, if you think that might be the case. In this way, God was taking the walk Abraham had thought was meant for him, while Abraham just watched. You see, God accepted the whole risk of the covenant, which included the very great risk of trusting this childless, cranky old man with the divine promises. It included the very great risk of being completely wrong about Abraham. So that's what faith looks like on that starry night at least. Abraham accepted the risk of gambling on a God who was willing to gamble on him. He accepted the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. By faith, by implicit trust, he received the power of procreation. By faith, he set out, not knowing where he was going, even though he was old. I'm sure some of us have been there, know just what it means, how really, really scary it can be to give up control, exercise complete trust, hand everything over to God. Sudden resolves can turn to water, and you can start talking yourself out of something just as quickly. Or you can go on. So if there's anything about this story of Abraham's faith that rings true with us then as Abraham's descendants we are the twinkling stars in his eye and it's our story and we can step into it anytime we want. We can take a leap of faith and let go or we can lurch. But when we do just imagine this when we do I'd like to think that a brand new star appears in Abraham's eye and he has to start counting all over again. Amen.